I'm Q. I'm Jewish Dave. This is Bird Road. This is Bird Road. It's a Just Them Boys episode. It sure is. It's one of those episodes. And, oh, who's this? Who's, call, who's calling in? It's me, Donald Trump. No, that's not how he talks. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's me, Donald Trump. Uh, hey, what are you guys doing out here? Great. It's going to be a great guest appearance. It's going to be a wonderful <laughs> guest appearance. I got that Saturday night fever. <laughs> that's not how he talks. Um, it's a Just Them Boys episode. We're just uh, hanging out here. What I was saying was that like, I feel as though probably the best thing that we could do I don't even feel like doing this. I would love to put on a show and just share screen and just hang out and watch TV with you. <laughs> that is something I'd rather do. Honestly. It makes sense. Like just put that, that on... is that's such a weird uh mix though. You interviewing important people every other week and then every other week it's just us just just doing nothing. Just doing nothing. <laughs> at all. <laughs> Talking about nothing. <laughs> How does it, it um? Sense. How does it? It's it's Sunday night that we're doing this show. How to and uh, you know there's been lots of you know residual, even though they're sort of a little defanged and maybe not as um as intense as they were a few weeks ago. Residual protest activity in the streets, still mm-hmm. you know the shit going on. I know that you partook in a few protests yourself. Um, mm-hmm. You were out there in Vegas. How does it make you feel to know that National Guard spy planes were flying over you? Did you hear about that? I did not. No, is that today? No, yeah, it came out today in the RJ, apparently in mm-hmm. Las Vegas and also in DC, I guess. There were um National Guard spy planes that were flying over uh, over over you. I know that you don't really care about privacy or anything, right? No, that doesn't matter to me at all, but it's uh just good to know that they're out there. It's good to know that they're out there. <laughs> I guess. So one way to look at it. What, what is a what does a National Guard spy plane do? Like specifically, like what is the objective? Well, I would imagine that they're like capturing facial data and laying it against like and creating a database, but also laying it against like maybe open warrants or like things that might be you know uh, extant threats. Uh, you know, like just it it's, it's like all a about just data collection. Would do a better job of that. Yeah, I don't know. Wouldn't I mean, a plane fly by too quickly to really get any like usable data? I mean, I don't know. The technology advances so quick. I don't know, but it seems like a plane would go by too fast. Wouldn't be able to actually scan anything out of the crowd. No, planes can glide, dude. They can go really slow. Really? Yeah, they can go like like when they're up in the air, they can go very very slow. They can go <laughs> 70, 80 miles an hour. They just mm-hmm. glide. They just can do like that. You see my hand? Yeah. This is like 3D. Come here, you. <laughs> like, yeah. um, Too bad this isn't video. I know. Should be recording <laughs> the video. So, yeah, apparently that came out. Um, what uh, What was the other thing I wanted to like? <laughs> I wanted to talk to you about was the story out of Idaho. Have you ever been to Idaho or no? Well. I'm pretty sure I have once uh, during our, our road trip, uh, me and my dad, we drove across country with a U-Haul full of records, and I'm pretty sure we stopped in Idaho on the way. Okay. So this is a story, and there's audio, but I don't feel like playing it. I'll just read it. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just from uh, the Boise State Public Radio, and uh, this ran 
last week. Okay. Justin and his buddies look like they're from a special ops team. Wait, I want to show you this fucking these people. Um, so you'll see what I'm talking about. So you see Justin and his buddies? Hold on. Wait. It, Zoom just took full screen because you did that. It's weird. Uh, okay. Yeah, I see him. Ah! Fine, fine, outstanding men. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like special operator type looking dudes. Like they like to they like to operate on the buffet at Godfather's Pizza. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So Justin and his buddies look like they're from a special ops team. I don't know about that. I, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's they look like they're dressed up as people from a special. By the way, look at the. This is one of those things where. The dude on the left, right here. Uh-huh. What is what is that? Um, what is that bulletproof vest protecting? Like, yeah, it's guard, it's guarding about thirty percent of his. It's mass. guarding a thirty. It's guarding like a <laughs> tiny field of of. That's like jeopardy. a bulletproof bib. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Drops ammo that he's while well, he's you know chowing down at CC's. Um, so, if he drops a bullet on himself. Yeah, it, I always wonder about that move. And it's always really big fat guys wearing, like, yeah. comedically small bulletproof vests. Because, look, it's way smaller than the normal-sized guy standing next to him. Not, not to harp on this too long, but do you think he's self-conscious about it <laughs> while he's out there? Wait, do you think he's wearing it ironically? Like, I know I'm fat. I, I, and I don't like, think he is. No. I don't think it's ironic. This guy doesn't look like I, a guy. I, I think he might have, like, been, like, having to psych himself up in the mirror before leaving the house. Like, no, you don't look stupid, bro. No, like, you look fucking you know? great. People are going to think you're cool. No <laughs> one's going to laugh at you. <laughs> um, <laughs> Justin and his buddies look like they're from a special ops team. They're wearing flak jackets and carrying assault weapons. I always wonder about that. Isn't, like, any weapon an assault weapon if you assault somebody with it? But let me not well, get, like, all Seinfeld. You're showing your liberalness right now. <laughs> Technically... Why do they call it an assault weapon? The most hack shit in the world doing a Seinfeld impression. Other than being Jerry Seinfeld. But they aren't military and they aren't police. I see myself as a concerned citizen who happens to be armed, Justin says. They won't give their last name, citing safety and job security. But on a recent evening, they're standing watch over about 200 protesters at a rally over the death of George Floyd in Missoula, Montana. If someone begins inciting violence, the men plan to enter the crowd and grab them. <laughs> they carry handguns and assault weapons. I'm going to bring fists to. I'm not going to bring fists to a gunfight. Justin says. Similar scenes are playing out across uh, several Western states and the country. Armed people uh, and the and the country. Armed people and militia members showing up at rallies over police violence and racism. Um, now, I want to get to the the specific part of this story this might not even be the right one to read it I wanted to give you that as sort of context Mm -hmm. Um, this is a Washington Post story and I hope this is the right one Uh, okay so protesters had only begun assembling peacefully in Idaho when a Facebook page for retired police officers advised its followers to stay on high alert we will protect our neighborhoods it vowed So when early reports about potential violence surfaced a day later, claiming, quote, Antifa agitators were arming, uh, were storming the state this week, scores of residents took to the streets armed with military style assault rifles again with that shit. They stood guard in places such as 
How do you how do you pronounce that, Dave? Coeur? Cordelline? Cordeline. I think it's Cordeline. A resort town of fifty thousand on a lake in northwest Idaho. Enough of us swung into act quote, enough of us swung into action and put the word out on social media and elsewhere that we were able to deploy and meet any violent elements that might come here from out of state, said Trevor Treller, a Somalier <laughs> and one of the armed locals. <laughs> Treller forty eight said forty eight, bro, you're too old to be doing this shit. Go home. Said he mobilized after hearing from trusted voices that, quote, Antifa types were on the move. <laughs> David, do you think you're an Antifa type? I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, what is exactly the uh, the cutoff for, for how much you have to, how active you have to be to be an Antifa type? Are You, you couldn't be Antifa because you could never throw a punch. That's true. Everything, everything I, in your body would shatter. If, if and I, I hate violence too. Like, have you ever been around violence? So, is there like a scary moment you've ever been around violence, where every you were time, just like, "Why you?" Every time you sit down in my car, and I, I know something bad's gonna happen. Uh, um, so basically, the story that that happened here is that. All of these, you know, right-wing lunatics in this shithole town in Idaho were just, like, crap in their pants because, like, they thought just, like, busloads of Antifa were going to show up in their fucking place. And, of course, none of them did. Like, it didn't Mm -hmm. happen. And um, I I feel like that's... that, That... It's a funny story, and it's stupid, and it's silly, but it's also, like... It's, like, the next the next step of what's going to be happening where it's going to be like ridiculous. And it, we're going to see it a lot in the, um, in the election, I think like ridiculous, crazy information wars where um, misinformation gets sort of tossed around. And it's really just sort of playing along the margins of how, like how, how many people can we get to believe this thing? Okay. Well, Isn't that what's been the thing for the last like four years, six years? Well, like how, how do you mean? Well, I mean, ever since the, the last election and then everything since then, it, it seems like it really kind of, of course, it's been happening for a longer, much longer time than that. But it seems like that's when it really kind of hit the mainstream. And that's been what everything is. Everything is just misinformation against misinformation on both sides. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that that's correct. And um, yeah, I mean, like if, if you're betting on which side is going to fall for misinformation more or line up behind misinformation more. I mean, the right is going to, the left will argue all day about how, what like specific tenets of Marxism. It doesn't, you know, is not applicable yeah. and they'll eat each other to death, and eat each but, other to death, yeah. but, but yeah, but it's the, the right though, that believes every last little thing that yeah. seems to come out. Yeah. So they're absolutely ready to line up and, <laughs> I've had allergies all day, dude. And uh, I don't know. I just thought it was funny to see these morons kind of line up behind whatever messaging tells them to. It's like rats yeah. or lemmings or whatever. I mean, yeah. Well, they they also need uh, they need something to something. I guess like a boogeyman, right? To yeah. Which is really what the what, I mean. It, it, in reality, across the country, there's maybe like five thousand Antifa people, like right, total, people exactly. who, who would like authentically be like, "We are Antifa." Like that, I am an Antifa, you know, whatever. 
you know, I do I do the whole black block set dress up aesthetic and the whole thing and go out in the street and swing punches. I mean, that's just enough that it's going to be a br- it's going to provide a brush, I think, to for people to tar for the right, specifically Trump, who's already doing this, to tar people like the 75-year-old guy who was right. shoved to the ground and had his head split open as Antifa. Like all it has to be is like this this basic predicate offense of not liking the president or not or or being critical of police or critical of 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 uh you know power structures and authority and your antifa right mm-hmm. um so i don't know it's it, it, did you see that like what did you what have you thought about like what's been going on the past week uh i mean it's it's just you know it's the usual grossness that's just <laughs> the usual depressing crap i mean the thing i've i've been focused on the most is uh is the people the 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 split and it's always a split it's always sides i don't know why but the split between the you know the open the economy crowd and the you know still trying to uh you know stop this this virus from spreading further and growing bigger um crowd what what virus like i feel (laughs) like like that doesn't even exist anymore that's not a thing yeah we beat it i mean i i remember it vaguely uh yeah it's long gone it's yeah the the in florida and in miami the last three days have been the worst three days of the whole time of the entire virus and it's just like skyrocketing everybody has given up on doing it on you irregardless irregardless of your uh of your um of your political persuasion now you're completely over it you're done you're not you're not paying attention to any of the guidelines and it, it doesn't matter anymore now it's just a complete there's a permission structure on the right and on the left you can be you know you can be just like the the typical uh republican two or three weeks ago who was you know focused on who was who, who was like you know invoking the the great economic gods that needed to uh be awakened to um, prevent more, you know, I don't know what job loss. Everybody's, everybody's out of work or they're about to be, it doesn't fucking matter. And uh, like, like everybody is fucking out of work. And, um, (sighs) yeah, I don't know, man. And now, now that there's someone from high, I just had someone from high school ask if they should, uh, come to Vegas because of the, the great deals and all that to try to get people here. There's deals. I, I told him I was like, you certainly can take advantage of those deals, but once you get here, I don't know what you're gonna do other than just like sit at a blackjack table. Like, there's yeah. absolutely nothing to do. Yeah, what are you gonna do? I mean, like, w- w- are restaurants popping off there or what? They're they're opening, but they're all at like very limited capacity and all that. And then even if you do get a table, the service, I mean, they're just trying their best to stay <laughs> above, you know, water. It's <laughs> like. <laughs> Like no people yeah. to actually, it's like a it's like a, a fully automated like the like like a like a fully automated McDonald's basically, or like yeah. one of those fully automated um, CVSs where you go yeah. in at like one in the morning and there's no people. You just like scan shit it's, and it's, walk it's out. An exciting future. <sighs> yeah, I did want, had wanted to talk about that, like the fact that, I mean, I don't know where you guys stand over there, but here, the caseload is blowing up. The um, there's that sort of magic metric that they use of uh, the spreadability. I forget what it's called. 
but um basically that uh it's like a 1.0. It's like the infection rate. I forget what they call it. But if it goes over 1.0, then, you know, it's 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 really dangerous. It means that for every one person, they are, you know, every one person who contracts a disease, they're spreading it to however many people, right? And mm-hmm. um, that number, sort of the Mendoza line is like if you keep it under one. But we just, like, in the last few days have rocketed past that. So that means that, like, for every person who gets it, um, it's R- it's called RT, right? That's that's what the thing is called. Mm-hmm. RT, uh, values for RT, key measure of how, I'm reading this from um, the superintendent of schools down here, uh, a key measure of how fast the virus is going, it's the average number of people who become infected by an infectious person. If RT is above 1.0, the virus spreads quickly. When it's under 1.0, the virus will stop spreading. And, like, if you look at it, uh, it, it, he has all the states. Let's find Nevada. He has all the states on a, on a line of who's, you know, indicated by green, who's in, like, the, the good side of that versus who's on the bad side. You guys are literally, like, right on the cusp of being on the bad side, but you're, you're, you're good. You're good. Mm, you're at, like, nice. 0.999 Nevada. The only other green on the right side, on the good side, states below you are west virginia and wyoming which Mm. that's ridiculous because completely different states and on the other side of you is north dakota so you're buttressed by three states that nobody goes to three of the lowest yeah but it makes sense because you guys actually have you have a democratic governor and you did good response rates or i mean you did good response measures you did things mostly right nevada did things pretty well um you have some crazy whack jobs like like the mayor of las vegas but those people are mostly powerless they have no effect on anything the mayor of las vegas as crazy as she was and what a viral moron she was there for a minute Mm. she doesn't have any ability to make any decisions or anything it's mostly ceremonial and if you didn't have such a huge tourist economy which still is chugging along even though like very few people are going there are still people going um if you didn't have that You'd probably be way lower. You'd probably be doing much better. Yeah, you know, then it would just be the big wide open state where you know, like Wyoming. You happening. yeah, the, the, yeah. But, but like Wyoming, a, a state like Wyoming also doesn't believe in science and doesn't think yeah. that you know that the that the um, doesn't probably doesn't think that this that this disease is real. I'm looking. I'm trying to come up with a comparison where like, I mean. If Nevada didn't have the big, um, if Nevada, with its mostly Democratic governor uh, uh, government statewide, and it, you know, if it didn't have its huge tourism industry, it'd probably be more like Colorado. And you see Colorado far to the left on this uh, this axis. So meanwhile, Florida is not not good. <laughs> Florida is not good. We are over one. We're in the red and. Uh, we are buttressed on both sides by Texas and Utah. Um, now, you should be worried a little bit because the, the worst RT state is Arizona. Like, by far, too. Right. It, like, it's way right. worse than the second worst, which was the second worst is Arkansas. And it's, like, a full head and shoulders above that. Are, are you guys, like, shutting off the border to Arizona? What are you guys doing over there? <laughs> I don't know that they're doing anything like that yet. But, yeah, I have heard that, though, that, uh, that Arizona's just been 
uh, through the roof with the the growth of the infection rates. And yeah, that's that's pretty shitty. I I don't I don't know. I don't know that they're doing anything to uh, to try to stop anything happening there. But so um, we did. Uh, there was something I wanted to bring up, and I don't know if you had heard about this or not, but it, it just like. We've talked before about the like moments of acceleration where things like just start happening really, really fast, and all of a sudden, like the wheels fall off of things, and it doesn't really matter anymore. Like nothing matters anymore, and even and then even less begins to matter. Like things get completely caught up. Um, so, like, what am I talking about? Did you catch the news that uh, Donald Trump wrote an executive order to kind of like end protections for transgendered people, right? Yeah, and he did that during right at the sort of outset, even though I, even though this shit is all bullshit, like liberal sanctimony branding and, and shit, but he did that, did it at the beginning of pride month. Right. Which I'm sure for a lot of actual people means a lot like pride month, even though it's been co-opted by companies and made for like, sure. you know, woke branding and shit like that. It still is a thing. And, um, you know, a lot of stuff in the LGBTQ community happens during pride month. That is important. And so, People pointed out, like, wow, very Trump-like to just kind of write this very um, prejudicial executive order right at, you know, in the heart of Pride Month. And then also found out, I don't know, did you catch this too, that he was scheduling his first rally, his first rally back in Tulsa, which thanks to the the fucking Damon Lindelof's show, Watchmen, everybody (laughs) now knows about the... Um, the massacre on Black Wall Street, uh, which I think most of us probably should have been taught about in high school, but probably forgot. Um, anyway, he's scheduling a Tulsa on the anniversary, or no, not on the anniversary of that, but on Juneteenth, which is obviously very, yeah, yeah. A, a very um, important date on the calendar, so partic- particularly and sp- specifically for the black community. And then also on top of that, He's scheduling, and I don't have this in front of me, but it was either a different rally or it is the first date of the Republican, the GOP um, uh, convention. It's been moved. They moved it out of liberal, you know, uh, liberal lily, lily blue uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, down to Jacksonville, Florida. So it's going to be in Jacksonville, which Jacksonville's what? No, it's fine. Jacksonville is like. The same distance for me is like Reno is to you. It's like and okay. nobody from Miami wants to be caught fucking dead in Jacksonville. There's nothing to do in Jack. There's there's no. I don't know if there's anything to do in Jacksonville, but let me say, fuck Jacksonville. It's like one of the shittiest cities in North America, if not the fucking planet. Fuck Jacksonville. It's fine. Let it's the only. Honestly, it's the only non-liberal city in all of Florida. It's the only like. Like you think you're in Texas or some other backwater shithole, um, you know, southern state in in Jacksonville. It's a fucking it's a fucking piss. It's also hole. where Ash Williams was born. That's right. And didn't he didn't he want to retire there? Wasn't that Something a plot like line? That. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and it, which is funny if you know Jacksonville, that makes it funnier because like Ash's desire to be in Jacksonville, he enunciated it in a way where you it felt like he was talking about Miami, where he was like, oh, it's like tropical and you know it's like an oasis and jacksonville's not that jacksonville's like i don't know what to compare it to phoenix i guess like some shithole you know and uh and so it like (laughs) just some flat boring shithole and um so that is happening on a day damn i wish i had it in front of me but another day of a uh, of a 
on the anniversary of another significant tragic day in black history, a, a different, uh, I believe it was called, fuck man, I don't want to say it and get it wrong, but it was like some kind of like axe handle massacre or something like that. Um, let's see if I can find it right now. And and you think that these are all a hundred percent on purpose, right? Yeah. And people are like, Oh, well he's uh, yeah. The axe handle, axe handle Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me, let me find out what the fuck that was. Cause again, another thing that, yeah, you're not going to be learning about in American public schools. No. Axe handle Saturday was a racially motivated attack that took part, uh, took place in Hemming park in Jacksonville, Florida on August 27th, 1960 a group of white men attacked African Americans who were engaging in sit in protests, opposing racial segregation. The attack took its name from the axe handles used by the attackers. Um, mm-hmm. 200 middle-aged and older white men, allegedly some were members of the KKK, gathered in Hemming Park with baseball. I mean, like, you can just, you you know, this is like one of those things that happened during the civil rights era. And um, these two gangs sort of clashed and these two groups went at it. Uh, and, yeah, so I, I think... People are like, oh, well, you know, Trump is too stupid to know this stuff. And it's like, yeah, I think that's true. But mm-hmm. there are people on his staff who absolutely exactly. like, do you remember a few years ago, there was a thing. Do you know about like um, a lot of the uh, like neo-Nazi rhetoric and a lot of their like uh, iconography? Have you read about much of this stuff or no? And not in detail, but I'm sure little <clears throat> bits and pieces have come up, especially like in pop culture. It's so like, have you heard of like 1488? No, I haven't heard of that. Okay, I don't. I don't remember exactly. I'm not gonna, and I really don't want to commit this shit to memory. But 1488 is a specific like calling card. That number 88 is HH, and it's like Heil Hitler. This is like hmm. this is. It's so funny because this is what happens when you build a fucking ideology of hatred around like stupid, silly, like middle school symbolism, like the kind of <laughs> shit that you would write on the outside of a notebook and think that you're being, you know transgressive or you know a really cool cross fucking look at that cross bro yeah like it's <laughs> it's like it's baby shit it's the shit that like comes out of a baby's brain um but yeah so 14 stands for i don't i don't remember but whatever uh let me see if i can find this shit 1488 by the way while you're looking that up i'm starting to hear myself all of a sudden you are yeah, and that, now it's gone. Maybe it's for a second I, there, I was. How about how, start talking right now? Hey, testing. Yeah, I could hear it. So yeah, bleed, it's you get closer to the mic. Yeah. Yeah, here it is. Did the Trump administration? Um, here's the article from July 2018. Did Trump administration send a coded signal to neo Nazis? Maybe not, but is it reassuring? But is that reassuring? This is from Salon. Um, and there's a lot of like bloviating and bullshit about about uh, about Trump before you get to the actual story. Okay, here it is. Last week, reporters, and so this is back in July of 2018, right? Last week, reporters and those who monitor hate groups and extremist movements called attention to a little-noticed press release issued in February by the Department of Homeland Security. Its title was unremarkable, at least by the standards of Trump's administration propaganda, of the Trump administration propaganda. Here's the title. Uh, We must secure the border and build the wall to make America safe again. 
Two things about that title have now attracted notice. It consists of 14 words, and its phrasing is strikingly similar to the 14 words. Okay, this is what the 14 and 1488 is about. Uh, similar to the 14 words of the neo-Nazi movement's semi-official slogan. <laughs> this is the neo-Nazi semi-official slogan, the 14 words. When you hear them talk about the 14 words. We must secure the existence of our people and a future for white children. Right? Mm. So we must secure the border uh, and build the wall to make America safe again. 14 words. We must secure the existence of our people and a future for white children. 14 words. Right? Just a coincidence? Probably. But the DHS... Release also contained another odd passage where instead of using percentages or presenting statistics as a pro- as a proportion of 10 or 100, as is routine, specific numbers were used. On average, out of 88 asylum claims that pass the credible uh, fear screening, fewer than 13 will ultimately result in a grant of asylum. Like, why would you say out of 88 less than 13 like instead of like out of 10 less than or out of you know 17 percent or 17 out of 100 or you know two out of 10 like 13 out of 88 like yeah that's so the number 88 has a special significance to neo-nazis and other white supremacists as does the number 14 at law and crime uh, i guess on website colin kalbacher explains that the 14 words are frequently used in conjunction with the number 88 because eight is the eighth letter of the alphabet and therefore becomes hh which stands for heil hitler so um <laughs> i don't know whatever ended up coming i don't know what ever ended up coming from this i think nothing because there's no consequences for stuff like this anymore and it just dissolves into the ether and the people who it reaches who it's supposed to reach it reaches them they feel good about it they this is their like low-key way that i think the trump administration and not trump himself because i don't think trump can count to eight let let alone like he doesn't he's got so many fucking holes wormholes in his brain he can't fucking you try to explain any of this shit and he would just gloss over but there are people particularly people you know mentioned stephen miller as like kind of the main uh, agent of all this shit um, for whom this is really important. The like, uh, you know, the, the, the racially charged stuff, the immigration stuff, it's really, really important. Um, and the fact that they actually did say in another article that I was reading, um, federal agency says it lost track of one, uh, 1488 immigrants, like 1488. That's, that's, the number that they chose to use, which, you know, those numbers are never right. There's always some flex in them. Right. Um, But they decided to say 1488. And that was again in September, 2018. So I, I I don't know, man, I, I absolutely do think that there are, while Trump is too stupid to know this stuff, he generally just doesn't like black people and doesn't like people who are different, doesn't like Muslims, doesn't like, you know, Hispanics broadly, like across the board, but he doesn't have this refined knowledge to apply to well, these historical dates. Yeah, and I, I've been saying that since he became, you know, the, the person who is almost definitely going to win, you know, back when the election happened. I've been saying I've never really thought he is and i get a lot of pushback on this from whenever this has come up in conversation with people but i don't think he is specifically that racist he's just completely fine with racism if it's what gets him 
you know, what he needs, the power that he needs and to, you know, the, to get that uh, control over his base. He's just fine. You know, the only way I would agree with a lot of that with you. And I, I the, the, I'll tell you the one people can, can uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say something to agree with you and also to disagree with you. The, the, the thing, the charge that he gets that rings hollow with me is broad anti-Semitism. And mm-hmm. I don't think that you work in the fields that he worked in schmooze the way that because that's all he did he wasn't like a good businessman or anything he was just a schmoozer who knew how to like right you know grease the right palms and um spoiler alert about spoiler alert about greasing palms in the real estate industry in the 70s 80s and 90s in new york it's not going to work out for well for you if you're anti-semitic like right. it's going to be a real tough racket a real tough road to climb and mm-hmm. I, I don't think that he I, I think that he definitely harbors opinions about jewish people that are very stereotypical and that like if you mm-hmm. if you held him down he probably but he probably doesn't even really see them as bad he's probably like exactly. yeah they're good with money i mean the J- jews are good with money and it's like like that kind of stuff like the kind of shit where if he wasn't the president if he wasn't somebody important his grandkids would just be saying like oh he comes from a different time you know mm-hmm. like they talk that way i disagree with you on the black latino and immigrant front i think he does mm-hmm. actively hate blacks and latinos and immigrants and the reason why is before before he was anything other than a pr creature back in 1990 or whatever year it was he actively made the effort to put that um advertisement in the new york times about the central Mm -hmm. park five he didn't have to do that he had no stake in that game he was one of the many on review like with the benefit of hindsight racist voices that were calling for sweeping criminal justice reform that you know ended up being embodied in you know with with clinton's crime act and um and strong approval and and guidance by joe biden but um he was one of those people to to be fair everybody was one of those people in the early 90s everyone was scared that we were going to be like our Remember what we were learning in like middle school that like the country, the crime is falling apart. Uh, cr- the country is falling apart because of crime. We're going to be torn from, you know, the chests of our mothers and we're going to be turned into like crack addicts and that you could smoke marijuana one time and die. And like mm-hmm. all this shit that like dare and the news and media was telling us. And then it just didn't end up happening for like one of a million reasons. But um, like he was a proponent of that. And even after the Central Park Five were exonerated with DNA evidence, he still said they should have been put to death. Mm-hmm. Like innocent people, he still said that the innocent people should have been put to death. Yeah. So I, I I I disagree with that. I do think he has a sort of aimless, like defanged hatred of mm-hmm. dark skinned people and people who aren't from here. He's also a white New Yorker. Over the age of sixty, which means that which he, they're all racist. Which means, yeah, that they're all racist. And <laughs> specifically, if you if you're a white New Yorker over the age of sixty, you hate Muslims. Like yeah. that's almost. I mean, unless you're flamingly liberal and you know committed to to, to not being <laughs> like your cohort, like uh, upper class, I should say, upper class, middle, you know, upper mm-hmm. class white New Yorker over the age of sixty. Because if you were if you were an adult, like you and I weren't really adults. We were like still kind of kids. But if you were an adult during 9-11, mm-hmm. like, sorry, I, I, I've met too many of these fucking people. 
the residual hatred that they have for Muslim people is so strong and it's still yeah. there and it'll be there just like burning in their heart until the moment, the day they die. And he's one of those people, but it's yeah. not, I don't think it's ideological or, or sharpened the way that it is with somebody mm-hmm. like Stephen Miller, who absolutely has read like all the literature and who is like sure. educated and knows like he knows his race science down to the science. He, it's not just opinion for him. He has, yeah. you know, he, a, he's Leonardo DiCaprio and Django. Yes, basically. he's that guy. He's, <laughs> the he's size a, of the skull. Yeah, like, ogling <laughs> skulls and like reading books on phrenology. Absolutely, yes. That's 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 Stephen Miller, and so people like try to. Tr- I think people end up treating Trump like he's this sort of unknowable, you know, orb, and people don't know like, oh well. Is he, is he really like a closet fascist? And I'm, I, I, I think that we've talked before about like the the scariest thing about Trump is what he is setting up for next, which would be mm-hmm. a Trump but competent and disciplined. Mm-hmm. Whereas the only saving grace for us in the last like three and a half years has been that Trump is incompetent and undisciplined. He's yeah. a fucking mess and he's a moron. And we saw with like Tom Cotton. Did you read the Tom Cotton New York Times op-ed? We haven't talked since that came out. And no, I don't think so. So Tom Cotton wrote that <clears throat> an op-ed that they let in the New York Times that was basically saying that like the <laughs> the military should go into all these cities and just fucking unload on protesters. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it ended up you know causing a big shakeup over there at the New York Times. And um, I think that that's still ongoing. I think there'll be a few more heads that roll in in the coming weeks or months. But um, Tom Cotton is a guy. He's, he's completely uncharismatic, which is where I think you're going to have a big, hard time finding a Trump replacement. You can't just go to his kids because his kids are completely bland and boring. I'm looking at this shit right now. I'm going to share my screen with you again. This is from right here. This is a tweet from Aaron Leibowitz of the Miami Herald. Yeah. All right. So Aaron Leibowitz of the Miami Herald. This is where he was today, right? This is what he was doing. He was covering the Trump protests. Uh, Pro-Trump protests. So this was in my, uh, a city called uh, Miami Lakes, which is just an absolute hellhole. Like it's a, it's, it's a night, it's, it's like a, a suburban sort of like, like Green Valley, you know, Green, like, I don't know if you guys still mm-hmm. have Green Valley or not. Is Green Valley still a place? <laughs> like, it's like Green Valley. It's just this like upper middle class, uh, like a bunch of people who own like, I don't know, they own like, you know, fucking Honda dealerships and shit like that. And they all, you know, make $250,000, $300,000 a year to do shit jobs and take advantage of what people. What are these people out there for? They're like, angry, just like, they're, they're, they're counter-protesters. Protesters. Counter-protesters, but in this area, let me get to my point of showing you this. Um, yeah. I'll embed a link for any of our listeners who are wondering what the fuck we're looking at, but um, maybe I can actually let you hear it. Uh, yeah, I hear it. Yeah, so <laughs> you heard them calling calling him calling Aaron Leibowitz uh, a bunch of a bunch of words, pretty much everything except a child of God um, in Spanish. <laughs> they were calling him hijo de puta and a bunch of other stuff and. Uh, because they just reflexively hate the media. And um, 
So this is in Miami Lakes, and a week ago there was a Black Lives Matter protest on this street. And so these people are obviously doing a Blue Lives Matter. The only person that they have, since there's since no actual what uh no no actual you know leftists or liberal protesters showed up, the only people that they have to direct their ire and their anger at is Aaron Leibowitz from the Miami Herald and the photographer <laughs> uh, Alexia Fodere. So. Um, yeah, they're just like yelling "fuck you" and giving the middle finger and these real trash bag Trump people, which they're all over Miami. There's a lot of them here, um, and I, 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 I sh- I'm showing you this video because I'm trying to tell you that like Tom Cotton is never going to have a cult following like this. Mm-hmm. Like Donald Trump Jr. is never going to have a cult following like this. I don't know who it is. Tim Allen. I don't know. Like who could get this? <laughs> Who could like come out and go on that run from it's gotta be another celebrity. It's gotta be another celebrity. It has to come from the world of celebrity. Who's a person that could come out and start a run, come down the come down the steps the way that Trump did back in 2015, or even earlier than that, <clears throat> start casting doubt like like Trump did back in what was that, like 2010 about uh, Obama's birth certificate and shit like that? Right. By the way, the other thing that makes me think he's racist, and usually when people claim that people not liking Obama is because they were racist. I'm like, yeah, that's about 50% true. But absolutely, in Trump's case, Trump hated Obama because he was black. And there's no fucking two ways about that. But um, who's somebody that could just, like, pop up and become Trump? I don't think it's any politician. The only thing I could think of is maybe, like, a... Uh, and I don't think that they would want to, but some kind of big religious leader type. Maybe. Um, like like a mega church guy. I mean, something. those guys have such good. Um, they have such good rackets going though. Yeah, exactly. I, That's what I mean by that. I don't see why they would want to. Like, I feel like it would it would only hurt their bottom line. Who was the guy that uh, you just watched? By the way, how was that? How was that fucking Jet Apatow movie? I know you're probably going to do a review on it pretty soon, but was it any good or no? It was all right. It was. Uh, it really uh, of. Any movie I've maybe ever seen, it deserved to be a TV show more than a movie. It's like four hours long, isn't it? it yeah, it's two and a half hours, which all his movies God, are too long. But too it just long. it felt like a TV show, though. He's been doing know? that to himself in the last like 10 years. Uh, I, I bring up that movie because Pete Davidson is in that movie. Pete Davidson, obviously, uh, a lot of people who follow politics really only know Pete Davidson because he was forced to init- uh, issue a mea culpa to... Um, Dan Crawford. Do you know who Dan Crawford is? Uh, I forget. I remember Republican politician from Texas with with one eye. Remember, he's got the eye patch. Yeah. Yeah. So, so (laughs) Dan Crawford um, is a guy. If you are sort of familiar with him, you know him, and then a guy from not my neck of the woods, but my state, uh, Florida, Matt Gates, who was another sort of junior congressman. who have that little je ne sais quoi, that little like element of like trollishness where the people that love them really love them and love mm-hmm. them because they own the libs, because they are even just saying like, oh, they love him because he's politically incorrect is almost like a reduction of what it really is. It's like, I don't know how you describe it. It's just like like a like a cult almost. It's like, I don't know. There's certain people that evoke this emotion where it's like, yeah. This guy's an asshole, but he's my asshole, and he's saying "fuck you" to all the people that I hate. Mm-hmm. Isn't it weird that like every 
okay. Here's the here's the scenario. We've seen it play out. Celebrity quietly lets it be known that they're conservative. They go about five or six years without getting any roles, and then become loudly hardcore alt right and say that they're not getting roles because of that, right? Because they're because they're a conservative. Yeah. Um. And we could you could drop so many names into that bucket, right? Like the one that I always think of is Rob Schneider, uh, mm-hmm. who who swears that his entire career was undone because he was you know he was conservative. Um, James Woods, I think, has said that too. Uh, you know, all the all these guys. Who in that cohort that you're aware of? Because that's that's your that's your milieu. You know, you understand celebrity and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Who out there could gin up people the way that Donald Trump has? You think, like, if it's not a, if it's not a politician, like the two that I just said, who who could it be? Yeah, and that's really tough. I now, is there any truth to to the Rock being conservative? That's what I I remember hearing. I feel like the Rock is a guy who probably. Pull um, yourself up by your bootstraps, conservative, got, but not yeah. not on not on any kind of not on any kind of social, social issue. issue. You're very progressive, probably on like LGBT things, and yeah. I mean, you would probably you could probably interview The Rock a hundred times and never pin him down on a, an opinion on abortion or something like that. The Rock would be the perfect person, though, to like like put a chip in and flip it on and turn him into a big conservative. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> he'd be amazing. Like he would. Oh, he'd he'd. He'd win, hundred percent. Um, I think the Rock. Would I was thinking good. about Vince Vaughn, but I don't know if people like him that much. Like you know. Overall. Yeah, yeah, but you know, Vince Vaughn still has that cachet from, I mean, from like from. And he's still getting a few good roles here and there. From like ninety seven to two thousand five, he was like Mister Funny Guy, it Hollywood guy. Like he was. Yeah. I don't know. He was like he was the er Robert Downey Jr. Like when Robert Downey Jr. was not quite ready yet to become. Mr. You know, funny good time guy, you yeah. know, like that was that was the role he was playing. It was definitely him, yeah. It was yeah. Vince Vaughn. And uh, I mean, he did the whole celebrity thing. He was, didn't he? Did he get married to 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 what's her name to Jennifer uh, Aniston or no? I, I think you might be right. I uh, I mean, they definitely or did he just like date together. her forever? Maybe they dated. Yeah, might have just been that. Very unbelievable relationship. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, but I could see him, and he was he's. But he, the thing about him is like he's not that outspoken outside when he's when somebody's not writing his dialogue for him. He's not very outspoken. I don't know. He's why. not going I out there like 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 on press junkets. Like you remember, Robert Downey Jr. would get up there on those fucking uh, awful you know nerdcon uh, press junkets mm-hmm. for the Avengers, and he's funny and he's he's affable and he can spin a joke and and tell a story and you know all those guys they i think yeah. that's like a prerequisite of the job to be like charming off the cuff i never got that vibe from a guy like vince vaughn i don't know if he has that in his bag yeah i don't i don't know what trump has either it. oh yeah for sure um i don't know kid rock oh <laughs> <laughs> whatever happened to kid rocks like oh man um friend of the friend of the pod Brian Quimby did a, a episode on Street Fight a few months back where he went deep into um, 
the history of Kid Rock, which is a, I would definitely recommend it. It's a really fun, interesting history that I did not know all this shit about Kid Rock that he basically said, <laughs> he said that, did you know that Kid Rock said that he, um, there's no evidence of this. This is what he says. He got kicked out of his house at the age of 14, which he grew up incredibly like wealthy, upper middle class, sure. very rich. Yeah. But he got kicked out of his house at the age of 14 because he told his therapist to suck his dick. And, <laughs> so, and he, he like he talks shit to his mom and says shit to his mom and he got kicked out of the house or something like that. And then, yeah. he went, he, according to him, he went and lived with crack dealers for like years or something like that. And that's how he became Kid Rock. That's like the origin story. That's a mythos. Right that's there. the mythos that you build out, baby. Um, but I, I, the reason I brought up that, that episode of Street Fight was because like, I still don't know what happened to his, his, Chris, Chris, Chris Rock, uh, Kid Rock's like really, I think failed attempt at a Senate run from a few years ago. Do you remember that? Like he was running for Senate. Yeah, he was going to run. I don't think he – isn't it one of those like he didn't file or something like that? Like Sounds he said right. he was going to do it. Yeah, I think that maybe file. he just released a bunch of um, things that look like campaign artwork, but it was just Kid mm -hmm. Rock branding. And it was yeah. like Kid Rock for America or Rock for America or some shit like that. So maybe it was just like a PR stunt or some shit like that. <laughs> Dave, can we talk video game news before we jump into um, do I have to? I wanted to bring up one quick movie thing too, but you want to do your video game thing? No, first? you do your 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 movie thing. Tell me. Oh well, you know we were talking about coronavirus earlier, and uh, you know all of Hollywood is kind of resting on uh, Christopher Nolan's Tenet opening on July seventeenth. They're they're basing all of the release dates on that. If that happens. Uh, everything's going to be okay and all the you know the floodgates are going to open new movies are going to start releasing and they just announced uh, two days ago that they're pushing it by two weeks to july 31st after trying to hold steady at that july 17th date what can they do in two weeks that is gonna be worthwhile like what'll be different yeah I don't know. What, what is two weeks going to make a difference? It's such a weird... I mean, there might be a real actual thing. practical thing going behind that. There might be something where... There might be... If I had to guess, I would say that... Because, no, there's not like something's going to happen that's going to change with the disease. Right. And it's not like they're going to figure out a vaccine in that two weeks or something. If I had to guess, I would say that there's probably some lobbying going on um, mm -hmm. for some sort of uh, industry protection that would mm -hmm. involve... Like, if I had to guess, again, I don't know if this is true, but this is... The kind of things that happen on two-week timelines and one-month timelines and two-month timelines, this is the kind of stuff that happens in those kind of horizons. Uh, I would guess that that big body of – what is that big body that defends their window called the um, – Motion picture, whatever, film. Yeah, I, film, I should whatever. know that. Yeah, but. Okay, so if I had to guess, I would guess that they have a government affairs office and they probably pay lobbyists a lot of money. And those lobbyists right now are probably working to get some sort of law passed that will, um, you know, keep them from being held liable if people get sick at their. Right. At their, at the movie theaters. So um, I would guess that that's probably what's going on. And they Makes might sense. not have. They might not have that hammered out by then, so they have to push it back. Because you have that a Christopher Nolan movie coming either. out, and then, like, uh, it's not just, like, a normal week at the movies. I mean, like, a billion people are going to go to the movies, and 
you know, mm-hmm. that's going to be a big, big thing. Like you say, it's going to be the, the, the watermark for yeah. that. Movies, I know you hate to hear this, man, but like everything that we know about this disease, it's like movies are literally the very, very worst thing. Inside, recycled air, cold. It's like, uh, you know, a lot of people in one space. Like it's it's just, it doesn't, it, it's, it's bad. It's not like the beach. Like I don't even right. squirm anymore when I see those pictures of a thousand people on the beach because if you ever look really closely at those pictures, the people are like six feet apart from each other within pods. Like the families are together, but they're all six feet away from each other. I've been looking right. at a lot of those pictures because Miami opened the beaches on Wednesday. And as far I I personally believe that this shit does not get past outdoors, especially if it's like more than 70 or 80 degrees outside. I don't think it gets past right. outdoors. Movies, recycled air. Like it's every like bad thing. Yeah. Well, I, I, I just so you know, I'm not going anytime like soon <laughs> if they open. So if it opened but, tomorrow, I'll... you wouldn't go no, see a movie. Not, not even. Would you ever in a million years go watch a movie with a mask on? I don't know. Like That's not one of these, like you're preventing other people from getting sick masks, but like an N95 protect yourself mask. Yeah, I don't know. That's really that's really fucking tough. Uh, I have an N95, by the way. I, I have an N95 that I wear. Um, and we, my, my wife and I share. and We've only worn it a few times because you can only get like, I guess, like 20 hours of use out of it. And then you have to throw it away or something like that. I forget. Yeah. Um, and it's actually pretty comfortable. There's nothing wrong with it. It doesn't fog up your glasses and it doesn't cling to your face. It's like got like mm-hmm. it's like got a shape to it, you know, so and it's got the little bolts on it. But still. Watching a movie, a fucking Christopher Nolan three-hour movie. Can't shove popcorn in your mouth at all. Can't shove popcorn in your mouth at all. Like, I don't know, man. Um, The other thing was uh, I saw that, and I don't, I'm, this is not a video game podcast. I don't, I don't play video games. I haven't played video games since maybe 2003. Mm-hmm. And I am debating, everybody was making fun of like the reviews of this, of this game that was I guess already available on PS4, but it looks incredible on PS5, which I guess will come out in November. That was my first question. November, December. They haven't actually set the date. They said holiday. Okay, uh, so they'll announce the date soon. Sell me on the idea of buying a PS5 mm-hmm. if that's what I want to do, because I want to play this game, The Last of Us Part Two, which looks Ooh. fucking unbelievable. It looks so good. I don't want to be one of these like cornball ass motherfuckers that were like doing these. Like, I don't know if you saw it on social media, but there were people that were, they were like gamers who were like, this game is going to change everything. I am a changed person after playing this video game. But like, it was pretty funny, but it does look like a really fucking good game. And I'm thinking about, like, I saw a deep, like six minute video Mm -hmm. review dive into it. And um, it looks really fucking good. I don't want this to go on too long, uh, but I do have a couple of things to say about that. First of all, I played part of the first one, um, and the opening is the most cinematic, amazing thing I think I've seen in any video game, probably. Um, but then the game gets very, uh, like, you have to really employ, like, stealth and strategy and stuff like that. And I'm the kind of gamer that just likes to run in and shoot shit. Yeah. And so you like puzzles. It's just, you just like a puzzle block yeah puzzle or action or arcade so it was a little too much for me personally um but i'm sure the new one is going to be great uh that being said the reviews are starting to come out the last couple of days and this has actually made me like really laugh i read one of them i think it was polygon it was one of the big review sites 
and they were complaining about the lack of proper character development in the characters not feeling remorse for their actions enough and i was just like i don't know if i really like video games anymore <laughs> if that's what you have to worry about <laughs> like you're, you're, wasn't that the wasn't that part of the thing in um like i didn't follow gamergate i've never been i wasn't involved in any of that shit but like what i what i remember being an issue was that there was this big slew of games that were coming out that were all about like like you have cancer or like you mm-hmm. like got denied for a home loan or there's like, so many cool games like that now the little <laughs> indie games and like they're so weird like why would and then people were like these games fucking suck and then all the social justice people were like no it's important they're grappling yeah. with their identity and they're like, eh, but the game sucks. And then it's like, well, you're racist. And it's like, I'm not racist. The game just sucks. But it just depends, man. There's so many, like, gaming has become such a strange uh, hobby, I guess. Like, there's just such a wide ranging, like, the genres and all. And actually, that brings up an interesting thing. Like, the game that to me is the system seller is not Last of Us 2, the one that I'm considering a PlayStation 5 for. Uh, I don't know if you saw anything about this. It's called Stray. Mm. And you play as a pretty much photorealistic stray cat. And the world is just all humans are gone. And it's just robots going about their daily life. And you're just a cat walking around. And I'm not really quite sure where the plot takes you. But it just looks really interesting. And it's just so beautifully designed. Like it looks like uh, it looks like Blade Runner 2049 or something like that. But you're a cat. Like. It looks amazing. Um, okay, so I guess we'll wait and find out around November or December if I decide to drop. How much do you think it's going to cost, the system? I heard a rumor it's going to be $700. That's not bad. Or is that bad? That's like an iPhone. It's, That's like a it's base a, lot, a base level iPhone. Yeah, but the highest previously was 600 for like the most like, you know, packed in with extra games and controllers and shit was 600 in previous generations. So I, I think 700 would be the base model. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do think it's probably worth it. Cause I mean, we are talking about something that can do some really incredible shit. So does it go, still come with like super Mario brothers? I doubt that. And duck hunt. Maybe it'll come with a credit for some of those weird little games though. Um, okay. So throw in the jingle music here, Dave, for do I have to? Did I make a do I have to? Have to. Have to. I don't know if you ever did. Probably not. I probably asked you and you probably just didn't do it. Um, That's true. So uh, you want to go first? You want me to go first? What does it mean to go first? I don't know. I'll go first. Okay. Go ahead. All right. So, so you made me watch, and and let me tell you right at the top here, um, I failed a little bit on your your do I have to? Okay, the, the big surprise on that one. I uh, I did watch. I honestly entire, don't care if you watch the YouTubes or anything. Those were just like that's extra. what I was going to say. I didn't watch any of the supplemental stuff. I I watched the main FX series FX on Hulu, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Dave, um, and about rapper Lil Dicky and a uh, fictionalized version of his life uh, and it uh it, it's something that i it was on my radar for a while i wanted to check it out i i heard a lot of comparisons to shows like atlanta which both of us obviously love we've talked about that on the show a lot of times also just the fact our history as white comedy rappers and you know that that whole thing i did want to see 
how they did it. And so, yeah, I finally got around to it. I finally watched the show and I mean, I pretty much loved it. It you was, it. Uh, okay, that's yeah, good. it was really funny. I mean, all, all the characters were freaking great. Gata. Gata's great. Gata's great. <laughs> so, he's so good. Uh, you know, I, I, I think, I think a lot of the, they, they don't get into enough music. I don't think like, I didn't right. like, they only go into a, maybe what, like through an entire 10 episode series, maybe three of his songs or four yeah. of his songs or something like that. Well, that's and why like I sent I said, you the, I, I sent you the YouTube stuff. Cause I wanted you to also get a feel for like, Cause this, the, the, the do I have to was really more about this guy, little Dicky, who if he had come out 15 years ago, you and I would have been all over this fucking guy and loving him, but mm-hmm. we're like old now. And this is not shit that we're like paying attention to anymore. Mm-hmm. But at the start of the, um, at the start of the, uh, stay at home, this show landed on my radar. I probably would not have watched it normally, but I was just yeah. like, fuck, what is this Dave thing? Let me just pop this on. Maybe it's good. And I liked it. It's funny yeah. you say that about the music because uh, see what you think. I think he's a. I think he's a, a. I think he's a good rapper, which is like a lot of the core tension of what the show is about. Is like, is he a good rapper? And mm. um, and I think that that's what they wanted to do, and only give you like a few glimpses of him being a good rapper, so that there was some sort of plausibility that maybe he sucked, right? <laughs> right. Like because a lot of the jokes were based on like, yeah, you probably suck. Like like mm-hmm. a lot of the. I don't know. What do you think about that? That was a thing. No, I, 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 I had ulterior motives about wanting you to watch this because I really did feel like this was a lot about you and one other friend of ours. Like if the two of you had been one person instead of two people, Mex to the Bizzo, who nobody knows who that is, but like Mex to the Bizzo and you, if you had been combined into one person and had yeah. the courage to move to LA to try to actually do the shit you wanted to do. Hundred percent, yeah. If if I had no shame whatsoever, no sense of like wanting to have some kind of a serious career or anything like that, and I just leaned into all that, and which you and ended up not having anyway. You ended up not having a serious career anyway. Well, I, I've I've done quite a bit, but let's let's. I mean, you've done a lot, but it's not the kind of stuff that would have. It wasn't office work, is what I mean. You haven't had like a serious career. Oh yeah, no, you I'm not serious. It work. wasn't like showing up at an office where like. People are going to be like, "Oh, we saw this YouTube of you oh, with your dick never, out." Or no, something that's like that. that was never what I. That's not what I'm talking about. I was talking about a serious career in music. Right, and, like the the stuff you know, you've done in music would not have been precluded by you doing these types of things. It maybe could have. I don't know because also it's you know a question of how far in would I have gone? How long would it have lasted? You know, how long would, would we still would be we... living in LA together in an apartment and fucking exactly. like in Venice or some shit? And, and by the way, let me say one one other thing. Um, I had five or six people message me that, "Hey, have you seen the show, Dave?" Before I watched it, it's like they're doing a Jewish Dave show on FX. Yeah, it's it's what it is. It that, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, my description of it is literally. I mean, this guy is like he. Not just that he has, and you probably don't see this because people don't see these things in themselves. Um, and mm-hmm. don't recognize him. He has a lot of your affect too, really? like the way he talks. <laughs> it's not just a Jewishy thing either. It's like he does a lot of hand things. Like I was very, I was very put at ease and comforted watching this show because I felt like I was watching you. It felt a lot like you, like a lot of his mannerisms. And I mean, and then I looked it up, and the guy grew up twenty minutes from north uh, from um uh, from fucking Stroudsburg. 
Yeah. And like <laughs> he grew up like right by you. And I'm like, this is the same fucking DNA of this guy. It's too coincidental. Yeah, actually, uh, Gina watched a few episodes with me, um, Gina and her brother, and uh, that was the thing that they said was the most like me, was the the, the family life with the parents. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. There was an episode <laughs> with the parents, and it was just like, yeah, exactly. Every um, time you see those parents, it's exactly like my parents and, and our interactions with each other. <laughs> uh, but, uh, so but yeah, no, I, I like the show a lot, and I will eventually check out some of his other music just to see. I mean, I that's another thing i don't really like you know i've said this many times i don't like modern hip-hop like i don't like that style of rapping and i don't like that style of beats and all that stuff but um you know i thought that for for what it is i did like the, you know what he was doing I, I like some of the tracks and some of the uh you know the way he put songs together a little bit was pretty good especially the one in the end you know in the final uh the final on the episode. breakfast that club was, yeah yeah, that was fantastic. Actually, I mean the opening, the uh, the, the prison oh, the song, end of the first you know. episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was amazing. Uh, yeah, props for that. It, like it reminded me of, and we all had said this, and for the most part, I think we always did this. There's a thing that happens when you're going to be like a, well, I don't know anymore because now it's an actual established genre, but there was no such thing as comedy rapper or like. For sure. Like viral, you know, comedy troupe rappers back when we were being that, when you and I in our like very early 20s were doing that, when we were out there mm -hmm. like doing those shows, there wasn't a book to do that shit by. But one of the things that we all agreed, I remember, I think we had a conversation about this once was like, if anybody ever asked us like, uh, oh, well, rap for us right now, we're not going to do the like mm -hmm, thing. We're going to, we're going to do it. We'll be like. Yeah. If, if somebody says, oh, you're a rapper, rap for me right now, we're going to just rap. We're going to do it. And sure. we always did. Like, we never we never shied away from it. We always did. And um, that's what that last scene reminded me of, was our sort of, mm. like, commitment to the joke. Like, we were going to always follow through on the joke and not just, like, do that coy, ironic bullshit of, like, mm, I don't know. Nah, <laughs> okay, whatever shit, you know? And we always yeah. did. And that's... When I was watching that, that was the first episode, obviously, and I watched it, and at the end of it, I was just like, damn, that rung kind of true to our own, like, history, our own story. For sure. For sure. Something that did not ring true to our history and our story was the mm -hmm. movie Francis Ferguson, which was... Okay. <laughs> just, I'm just, I'm just saying I didn't... I never got to, you know, bang my hot high school teacher or anything uh -huh. like that. <laughs> my first kiss was with my babysitter who was um I was I was 12 and she was 16 and uh she was hot but um that's a whole different story we'll get into some other time. Uh I like this movie a lot. I was watching mm -hmm. this movie not to not to you know spoil uh my 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 review but I guess I will. I like this movie a lot. I was watching it and I found myself thinking like this type of movie they made three or four of these every year back in mm -hmm. like the early 2000s, right? They had like the movie where like the cheerleaders rob the banks. Remember that? Mm -hmm. They've had sure. election. They had, mm -hmm. I mean, sort of like the twisted teen comedy, not like American Pie, not like Can't Hardly Wait, but like like something kind of fucked up, young adult, teenish type shit. Um, For sure. And I, I miss that. That's like one of those genres that, 
somehow there was like a flattening of genres over the last 10 years. We've talked about this before. Maybe it was over on Piecing It Together, but yeah. you and I have talked about how there's been this like flattening of genres. My thing that I always said was like, there's no such thing as sports movies anymore. Nobody makes sports movies. Right. What the fuck happened that's to sports? People don't care about sports anymore. Like that's crazy that they don't, they just true. don't make them anymore. Um, and these like quirky young comedies is another thing that they don't make anymore. And uh, I found myself really liking it. Um, you know, it had a lot of, and I, I didn't listen to the to the pit, so I don't know what the pit episode. So I don't know what um, pieces you guys use because I didn't want to like uh, like uh, color or spoil or anything like that. Uh, I'd be shocked if you guys didn't mention election. Um, I think I think I did uh, use election as a piece. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a, a movie that's about a young woman unraveling um, and falling upwards, basically. Like she's every. <laughs> She, she, the, the the basic premise of the of the movie is that Frances Ferguson is the name of a, a woman who's a um, substitute teacher in a small town, I think in Minnesota or something like that, right? If I'm not mistaken, I think so. And um, she uh, she sleeps with a high school senior, has sex with a high school senior, has an affair. She has a a kid and a husband. She I think is supposed to be 23, 24 years old. I'm not sure, maybe Sounds 25. About right. So um, she sleeps with this high school senior who is I guess 17 years old. And uh, it, the word gets around. Um, she's eventually outed, and she has to become a um, sexual predator. Or she's registered as a sexual predator or a sex mm-hmm. offender. And uh, like a, a lot of the work of the movie is getting to that point. And then I think only like maybe the last act of the movie is after she's actually gone to jail, and um, mm-hmm. you know what happens subsequent to that. I would recommend everybody go watch the movie. It's fun, but it's light and weird and very weird and i think knowing you the reason that you like this movie is because it was nostalgic because you like a time in movies when this kind of movie came out more and they don't I make them anymore yeah this I think movie would have been would have been like anna kendrick or something 15 20 years ago they would have had like whatever 15 20 years ago's version of anna kendrick was back then they would have had her like a big star it w- would have been in this in this role instead of this relatively unknown actress um, who was great. But yeah, well, no, it was actually her first role. And I don't think she's even had another role since. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, it's definitely it's just such a weird movie. She's fantastic in it. And it's it's so unbelievably dark and bleak while being funny and kind of kind of uplifting in yeah. a very strange way the fact that this uh this event kind of is what she needed right you right. know and she... that's such a weird thing and i actually had a theory with this movie and the, i i spoke to the director on piecing it together i got to interview him which is just awesome but um he kind of shot it down the, the theory but uh i had this theory that this movie got such little play because you know the the moment we're in right now with everything and it's just to kind of make a movie where the main character is a sexual predator uh, or sex offender is just not going to fly and that's the reason why this movie didn't you know get any attention and then also why it's listed as a 2020 movie even though it kind of came out in 2019 and then disappeared because it did the festivals in 2019 and then like yeah it wide release 2020 it did festivals and actually won a couple awards at festivals, then hit Amazon uh, in November and then just completely disappeared and then came back out and on Amazon in March. And so it turns out what really happened is he just didn't get any distribution deal, put it out himself. 
and then re-put it out himself so it would have a 2020 date once yeah. the quarantine hit. And so it'd be some extra content up on Amazon. Uh, so really, it had nothing to do with that. That sucks because, like, and this is this eternal, eternal question of like media. Now that you and I talk about, probably way more than because it's still the same. Like we pro- we probably talk about this too much because there's really nowhere to go with this conversation because it's it's like talking about the weather, honestly. But like, um, where do you where do you put this for an audience now? Yeah, like if so you true. made it, if you made the movie, like the movie election had Matthew Broderick, who was already by then a huge star. It had um, Reese Witherspoon as an up and coming actress who was, I think, kind of well known at that point, even though she hadn't really hit her big. It was like her second or third, big second role, or third basically. big role. Um, it had um, what's this guy's name who who was big, who oh, fuck man, who ended up being in uh, American Pie. I forget the, the guy's name. He was like Chris a heart, Klein. Chris Klein. Yeah, he was like a heartthrob type guy. Um, so, like, that movie was a Hollywood movie. I mean, and maybe it was an independent because I, I don't know. Those lines are so blurred to me. I don't know. Like, movies that are Hollywood movies are also independents. And even back then, it was kind well, of... Well, it was a big director, Alexander Payne. Right, but, Alexander um, Payne had yeah, already, already had a big body of work by that point. Yeah, but it definitely is a movie that right now would be this tiny little thing that nobody sees. On the fourth page with, of Amazon. Even with the big name director. You would, yeah, you would have to scroll four times Amazon. down Amazon, four to, like four pages down on Amazon, and scroll to the to the right like three times. Yeah. And you'd be like, oh, yeah. this looks interesting. What is this? And that's what this movie is. And I don't know. I, I feel like that's a bad harbinger where we don't have this like space carved out for those kind of movies or for sports movies you know it sucks mm-hmm. that we we get one of five movies now and that's it everything is tenet avengers uh <laughs> fuck what else is there i don't know nothing <laughs> horror uh, you know like yeah. like just the template cookie cutter horror movie that spans from like um purge to ari aster and like everything falls somewhere between there and yeah. like that's fucking it and then like oscar bait i guess everything else is just oscar bait so yeah no it, it sucks it's it's definitely gonna get harder and harder for this kind of stuff to get made it's all been but, homogenized um, yeah it really is it really is but I, at least for now there are still things happening and some of these movies are finding their way and i don't think streaming is what's going to really um embrace the future filmmakers that want to make movies like this i i I don't think that they're going to do them any favors really but you know there are always going to be people who want to make these movies and hopefully they'll find a way to uh to really you know put a spotlight on them someone will find a way to put a spotlight on them i don't know who it'll be though i don't think it's going to be the amazons yeah i mean the other one that i watched is another movie that you guys covered over on piecing it together i watched over the weekend sort of double feature style with this was um vast of night which, oh yeah which i thought That's was exactly in the same realm of, right. of movies where it's like you know who is going to put this out who is going to promote this right how are there like if you say within a population of 330 million people in america that there are 10 maybe there's 10 million people who would really want to go see this movie how do you get it in front of them mm-hmm. when there's I don't know. Like, again, this is like a trite question at this point. We talk about this shit all the time. Like, there's Netflix, but on Netflix, it's it's al- it's it's algorithmed to you. There's, you know, Office is on. Oh, I don't know if the Office is there anymore. There's the Office and Kimmy Schmidt and 50 things that are, like, presented to you. How do you find out about the Vast of Night? Yeah. I mean, like, when's it's... the last time that you remember 
when's the last time that you remember walking up to um and this is probably a bad question to ask you because you've probably actually done this recently but like how often when do you think is the last time that people walked up to a movie um a movie theater and looked at the uh looked at the board and were like that sounds interesting and just bought a ticket based like that. That's how it only was. Right. Movie trailers only came out in the late 70s. For yeah. There was like decades where people didn't see. Like there were no movie trailers before like I think 1976 or something like that. And for, for from, from 1918 or whatever all the way up to like 1976 for like half of a century. Yeah. Well, you know, it, they just walked up there. Yeah. They were like, like I mean, the people would walk up and be like, "Hmm, the the, the jaunty boy starring Odolfo <laughs> Orierian." Yeah, you know that sounds good. That just based on that, the jaunty boy. Like, <laughs> there's a great Coen Brothers uh, short film called World Cinema, uh, where it's actually uh, what's his name, um, Josh Brolin. He he's the same character from No Country for Old Men. And he just he just walks up to a theater in the middle of nowhere, and he's like, "What's that movie?" He's like, "Is like, what's that about?" And the, the ticket person like tells him what it's about. He's like, "All right, is that, is that one of those foreign movies?" Like, and he's, he's like just trying to figure out what to see. It's it's actually great. It's just such a weird. Llewellyn thing. Moss. <laughs> yeah, Llewellyn. But uh, no, I was just gonna say we we uh, we we trash. Uh, uh, boomers all the time on this show but that's that's the one good thing about boomers is that they still do occasionally show up to a theater and just watch the thing that sounds interesting right that's the only good thing i can say about them <laughs> all right dave you got anything to plug uh lots of piecing it together awesome movie here you know all that all right i guess that's all that no <laughs> what do you what do you got to plug let me hear you make a plug q i don't plug are you using my pre-rolls that I sent you or that you and I had creative differences on? Or are you just mm -hmm. junking them? I uh, I used it on this week's episodes of Piecing It Together. So listen in, tune in to find uh, to find Q's uh, alternate take. I, I, <laughs> you didn't like it. Wait, hang on. Which one are you using? You're using the one that I... That I don't like the one you didn't the one you didn't like that I liked better. You're yeah. just you're just taking executive control. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what this means? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a way that like a, a higher ranking officer tells another officer, "Yo, respect my fucking stripes, motherfucker." Stand down. <laughs> Stand down, bitch. How dare you? Yeah, I'm sorry. I had to, but you know what? You didn't should, like my little pre-roll. Ah, that's that's I'm, racist. I'm sorry. You're I, racist. It, just, it it doesn't. You don't like Colombian right. women. You're afraid of Colombian women. She she did a wonderful job. It just I just doesn't I don't know. It just doesn't fit in the way I picture a podcast flowing. I don't know. Ugh. It sounded weird when I put you have it such in. parochial ideas. 